This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Besotted Brentford podcast. Well, as you can hear, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an unusual voice to intro this one. Billy Grant, is, uh, he's gone AWOL again. Um, I wonder where he's gone this week. Um, is he got... Oh, I know he had a ticket. I know he had a ticket. I know he had a plane ticket to go to Germany tonight for the... He, oh, he, but he didn't go there. He didn't go there. No, Nick, he, di- he didn't go there. He didn't go to Germany. Did he go to home base? No, he's not a home base. Where is Billy? Where else? Where else could Billy be tonight? Where's Billy? Oh, I know. Oh. He's, he's wearing pink tonight, isn't he? Uh, there's there may be another game of football involved tonight. So with me this week is from right to left is Liberal Nick. Liberal, you're you're, you're famed now for being a West Country. Bumpkin, but um, you, you you don't spend a lot of time there. You're you're back in West London. You just can't keep away from us, can you? You you love this podcast so much that you have to be here every week. It's only by popular demand. I mean, I you know I went to Burton at the weekend. Sorry, um, asterisk, small print. Um, public demand for a liberal means three people, three votes, or three MPs. Three people, three, it all counts. One vote is enough, you know. Somebody said they liked hearing me on the podcast, therefore I was determined to make sure that they weren't disappointed in future ones. We, we need all the listeners we can get, Dave, you know, so you should be grateful that I'm here and contributing. I'm grateful, but whether you're contributing or not, we shall see. Dutchman. You're here, you're here as well. You're here again as well, aren't you? Yeah, always... Pr- Glad and happy to be on the podcast and talking bees and drinking beer with my friends. Bring it on. And we have a newcomer. We have a newcomer to the fold. As you know, we always welcome, we, we welcome everyone, well, almost everyone. Um, Mark B, is you, I think he wants to be known as tonight. Is that right? It's a, it's a very secretive B, this one. But um, you're, I think you've probably, anyone that's been on the grapevine for any length of time, anyone that's been around um, any of the fans, um, forums they would have they would have read your opinions and your thoughts on Brentford. You you go back a lot of, lot of years. You know your you know your bees stuff, don't you, mate? I like to think I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm perhaps not as um, 
geeky or as, uh, that's probably the wrong word to use, uh, no insult intended, um, or as uh, up to date with all the forensic analysis of football as uh, I'd like to think I am. But um, yeah, no, lifelong passionate to be supportive of some uh, 37 years, I think, since I was first um, escorted to Griffin Park. So. so you don't know what you're talking about, so you're in a very good place to be tonight. You're, among, you're amongst friends. Welcome, yes, you're, you're, you're a very, very home place. It's been a, it's been an eventful week. Um, it's been an eventful, it was an eventful match. You know, we were we were one nil up, then down and out at half time. Then we came storming back at Burton. Um, it was the first time that we'd been to the Pirelli Stadium um, as a club, um, and most of us as fans hadn't been there before. It certainly wasn't one to miss. Nick, you were there. Have you recovered? I was. I've knocked Burton off my bucket list, so I'm really glad that I made it and hoping that they stay up this year because I'm looking forward to going back in future years too. One visit isn't enough back to Burton. Have I recovered? Well, th- this, point, this point that I got in front of me is helping me sober up probably. Yeah. So it's like the hair of the dog several days later on. Uh, needed. Uh, was not. Sunday was difficult day. Martin, the Dutchman, they're, the, they're called the Brewers. Um, why are they called the Brewers, and did you sample the reason? It's a long time since I've been called Martin at football. Um, I did sample quite heavily, it must be said. It was a cracking day out. Um, I have been to Burton before on business, and it is a, a brewery town. Um, there's some cracking little pubs up there. It's changed quite a bit since I was last there. Um, the, the initial pub, the last heretic, which um, we will forever be known as the Sweary Pub, um, after this, looked after us very nicely, and it was a cracking day out. And we'll come on to the game later, but yep, like Nick, I'm probably still sobering up. The Sweary Pub, it was a Sweary Pub, and we're going to find out exactly why it was called the Sweary Pub by listening to the clips in a minute. But uh, Mark, the the Burton game, that was it was it was something pretty special. It was one of those special days about being a Brentford fan, was it not? Absolutely, uh, it'll live long in the memory. I um, wanted to go, couldn't due to work commitments, but my friend Ian Westbrook sent me kindly sent me text updates. Goal, 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 and you know I didn't. I, I, I half time I was somewhat de- de- dejected, um, and I thought I might just switch my phone off and just wait for the full time score. But when the uh, when the um, third, fourth, and fifth came in, it was nice. It, it led to some post victory imbibement. I can I can confess. So yeah, great. It really did sum up Brentford season in in ninety minutes, did it not? You know, it was it was the very best of Brentford, you know, the very worst of Brentford, and then the very best of Brentford again. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take you back. We're gonna you know we've mentioned how sweary it was, and we're, we're gonna take you back to um, the pubs after the game and leaving the grounds, and crazily to to Burton train station where there were just some euphoric scenes and some uh, some again never to be forgotten moments. So. Back to the pubs after the game. Everyone is absolutely potty, absolutely elated. We were 3-1 down at half-time and we were looking rubbish. We were looking abject. We were looking out of it. But the second half, what a second half. The Bees absolutely turned it around the second half. And I've I've I've, I've actually lost count of how many goals we scored in the second half. But it was absolutely brilliant. We've come out of this ground. We've won this game. Brentford winning five goals to three. Absolutely teething tremendous, as we said. Absolutely. What a great match, wasn't it? It was absolutely quality. Why'd you get one? Best second half in ages. First half, second half, amazing. So, so I'm going to 
ask you, how come we can be so terrible in the first half and, and then and we just turn it around? I actually think Bentley told him what the fans were thinking behind because I think Bentley went in and said, look, we need to do it for the fans because he give, was giving a look just before half-time as if to say, they need to sort it out, we ain't playing. Oh, oh what a fucking game, honestly, amazing. Could not sleep in bed, honestly. This is why I come here. <laughs> this is why I come halfway in the fucking country to watch these fucking showers set. Win five fucking three! Yeah! Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to ask you though, it's 3 1 at half time. Did you think it was all over? Honestly? No! No, not at all. I thought it'd be 5 1. <laughs> <laughs> you were the truth, yeah, I'll tell you the truth, right, Bill. Right. You know me, Bill. That's right. No, I thought we'd be fresh. I thought they wanted it more. I thought we were shit. 2-0 game, It was a game of two hours, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Uh, well, how is it not a game of two hours? <laughs> when you're 3-1 down at our time, yeah. looking at a 5-1, 6-1, 7-1. See you later. Yeah, you yeah, owe me a beer anyway. Yeah, guess mate. it's good as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Best second half ever. You were dead and gone by half-time. If we'd have carried on where we left off, it's... Uh, in the second half, we got a fourth goal. That would have been it. And so, what happened? What, what happened? What did you do? Nigel Clough tactics: keep everybody behind the ball. Behind the ball, so you just didn't go for it, though, did no, you? No, it was a tactical uh, disaster by Clough. You still stay up, though, don't you? We want to come back next season. I hope so, but you never know, do you? Absolutely tremendous result, wasn't it? It was, if I was there, but I wasn't there. You were there for half the game, weren't you? I was there for half the game when we were losing 3-1. And then you left? No, no, you left at... no, no, Billy. You left at half-time? No, no. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you. Don't fucking put me there, man. Don't put me on that bloody thing, man. But did you But did you leave at half-time? Oh, that's at half-time, mate. And you're in the boozer. So how did you feel when you heard the four goals going in? You didn't. It's, my, it's the worst feeling ever in my life, man. Even worse, it's worse, worse feeling ever. It's worse than, than whatever, whatever. The worst ever feeling. So you didn't have faith in the bees, Billy. Fuck off. (laughs) 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 The turnaround was incredible. They played so well second half, and we could have had six or seven. It's all about being up for it. I think first half we weren't battling it. We weren't having it. Second half, we came out, we thought, this is ours, we can, we can get something out of this. And the moment we got on that front foot, completely different game. But the worry is, is why can't we do that first half sometimes? A lot of few games this season, just like to see us get on that front foot. Because we're good enough, we just need to get on that front foot first two. But don't get me wrong, absolutely brilliant. Probably best away game since Fulham. Come on, you Oh, my God. Gosh, that was just so funny. Everything about it was absolutely funny. I think I broke someone's jaw celebrating the fourth goal. It was just absolutely hilarious. We just, I don't, I don't know what happened. I just, I don't, Canos was wonderful and it was so good having McCormack on and just suddenly someone realising that we have someone on the field that knows how to make a tackle. And I just, oh, it was just, I couldn't, I didn't, I haven't stopped laughing all the way back from the crowd. <laughs> it's amazing. First half was a complete disaster for us. It's no different from Wolves, if not worse. But in the second half, it seemed to spur us on. We cracked on with the task in hand. And whatever Dean Smith did say in the dressing room at half time, it certainly came good towards the end. 
you know that was that was incredible listening. I, I, I don't know if you've checked out the Pesotted, um post Burton video as well. If you haven't, um, what you've just heard is kind of ten tenfold once you can see the pictures that go with that. Um, especially especially Sergio Canos back at Burton Station. Um, that was that was incredible just to see a, a young Brentford player surrounded by absolutely rabid fans um and him just he was he looked like he was in in a dream you know he couldn't quite believe it you know he, part of him probably wanted to run away another part wanted him to record it all another part probably wanted all his mates to see exactly what he was you know he, he did actually start recording it himself didn't he on his phone um so you know i think if ever he doubted coming back to Brentford, then I think you know that that would have been shot out of the water as well. Um, it's a shame a few more of the players weren't there as well. You know, Dutch talk. You know, go back, go into a little bit of detail. You now you've had a few few days now to kind of evaluate and kind of mull over what that day was, and now you're slightly sober. What talk me through Bolton and um, Burton from your from your sort of like your memories now. It was one of those games I was really looking forward to from the start of the season, and I think a lot of people were. I mean, it was the first time we knew there'd be a few interesting places to see new ground, and um, and everyone went there in a really let's have some fun kind of attitude. So I think you know we all met up at the usual. You know, never like to start too early on the train, so it was about nine twenty or something when 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 we first started uh, on it, as they say. And then you know, as soon as we got into Burton and the the little micro pub there opened specially for us, and there's a really good vibe in there, and the whole password and bees fans thing. So everyone was buzzing, and we moved to a couple of pubs and got to the grounds, and you know, and the game kicked off. And you know, absolute respect to Burton, you can see the size of their ground, and you think it is amazing that they are where they are, and I got a lot of genuine respect for what they've achieved. And I, you know, for, for all the reasons Nick said, I hope they stay up, uh, just for selfish reasons and going back there, but I, for their own reasons, I hope they stay up. And we scored the first goal, didn't play that well, and we thought this was going to be quite easy. And then we were just rubbish. I mean, the, the first goal from the corner was embarrassing. And then when, when the second one went in, I thought, I know, I've just seen an action replay for the first time at football, you know, because I've seen the same goal go in again. And then the third one, you think this is just awful. But then the second half, you know, what what on earth do you think went on inside that dressing room? You know, did something, did, was it, do you think it came from the manager? Do you think it came from players what, what what do you think happened well I don't know whether they had the same conversation that we had I mean we were standing out the back at half time as I was saying and you know there was people there talking about relegation you know the doom mongers were coming out saying we're going down Dutch we're going down and you know, don't be stupid we're not going down you know we're far too good to go down and that's literally people were saying that I can't believe that's what they said in the dressing room but whatever they said you know we, we woke up and I think we just played to our strengths from the start of the second half we know we're good going forward we know we can score goals I think this Brentford side more than any that I can remember you know, supporting them is always going to score some goals and I think that always gives you confidence you can get something out of a match and once we got a bit of momentum behind us and scored the first and then the second we just looked a different team and you know, we could have scored for fun that being said um, Burton could also score two or three at the other end they had some cracking chances at 3-3 as people have said on the uh, on the post-match pod um, particularly the, the rebound save uh, the guy missed the open goal which was quite funny Um Nothing to do with ex-Fulham or anything like that. Um, but, you know, once we're on top of a team, we are sort of, I don't know, flat-track bullies, whatever the saying used to be in cricket. But, you know, you can go out there and we could hammer teams and we could have ended at six, seven, eight, nine at the end of that game. But it was just a really enjoyable day out. People falling over, people, you know, just having fun. People had set out to enjoy that game. And I very much enjoyed it. 
Mark, you know, I think as a Dutchman touched upon, you know, at half time there were people saying we were going to go, in, we were going down. Yeah, we clearly, we clearly aren't going down, and we we clearly aren't going. We haven't been going down for several weeks now. Um, do, you, do you think that this kind of slightly irrational kind of, um, you know, we've still got nine games to go. You know, we, we we're not going to get no points during those nine games, and we got we at the time we have forty seven points on the board. You know, so the fact is we we weren't even even if we got we didn't get one more point for the rest of the season, including Burton, we we probably weren't going to go down anyway. So do you, do you think this kind of I'm not. I'm not knocking fans for kind of you know. I, I think at three one down at half time, people deserve to to be ranting. You know, they they spent a day getting there, and you know, it's another great day out ruined by a game of football. That's what they're thinking at half time. Who was who was to guess what would happen second half? Obviously, keep the faith, but probably if you put your hand up in that stadium, not one person or maybe three people would have put their hand up saying Brentford going to come back and win it, and they were probably pissed. So you know, so let, let's you know, let, let's be realistic about that, but. Do you think this kind of slightly dark view of what could happen all the time really does take the gloss off what you know is another pretty much it's a pretty good season overall? I think it does. Yeah, I think it's somewhat understandable given the fact that you know we've had some really good performances. The talent is there. I think fans know what the club can do, what the team can do. So when we kind of capitulate as they did. Um, at half time, I think it's understandable human nature and the passion, the passion of fans to be somewhat um, downbeat. Um, so it's excusable, certainly myself at half time. You know, I, I was somewhat kind of sceptical. How, how are we actually going to do this season? But it does take the gloss off. I think we have to recognise that we're you know a steady to be a steady mid-table championship team is brilliant. If it was our first season in the championship, we'd be really happy. I think it's partly because we had that you know near victorious first season in the championship that we want more we were a little bit greedy I know I am so it is a time or it is important to be contemplative and actually realize what we do have and to be grateful for that so it's human nature to some extent but I think it does take the gloss off when you do hear and read lots of comments that you know we're going to go down so clearly we're not I don't think anyone thinks we are unless there was absolute devastating capitulation and I think people can you know, rest easy, enjoy the rest Nick. of the season. So, you know, again, at half-time, it was looking pretty gloomy. Where, where was your head then? Uh, my head was that this was a typical Brentford performance. It was, we were poor at the back. Um, you know, a, a Dutchman already referred to it, you know. I mean, to give away one goal like we did was bad. To give away exactly, exactly the same was appalling, you know, and the defence were all over the place. And round the back, after before uh, there were some people who left at half-time and went, went to pubs. Um, well, as, as we just heard, you know, he, he, he wasn't happy to be outed as, as, a, as a half-time sneaker-outer. Yeah, no, 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 Dutchman was there because I was probably... No, 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 no. You, you know, there's, there's the other guy on the, oh, on the post. The yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, shall, yeah, I know, yeah, I'm not going to yeah, name him, yeah, but yeah, he knows yeah. who he is. No, sorry, I thought you were referring to Dutchman and it's unfair because I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was propping up the Dutchman yeah, during yeah, the second yeah. half, you know, because, you know, as we lie there in our drunken stupor. Um don't know what went on at half-time. Some, some words were said, and if Billy were here, he would be questioning me about who delivered those words. And I hope the people who delivered those words were the team themselves. Because yeah, they look, we've got, we got no way of knowing what that is, so there's no, there's no right or wrong answers to this. But, oh, I'm, 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 what, what, you know, what do we think is probable? You know, I, I would hope that 
a, a manager who, or a, so it's not a manager, is he? He's a, he's a head coach. He's set his team up. He's sent them out. They've gone one nil up. Then they've capitulated. And you know, surely it's him that's going to, you know, the hair, whether it's a hair dryer or it's a, or it's hair straighteners. I'm not sure. But you know, do you think it came from him? Do you think it's Do you think it's Dean Smith? I have no idea who delivered the halftime team talk. It might have been the team, it might have been Dean Smith, it might have been people that come down from the stands and pointed out a few things that they'd noticed. But whatever it was, the team pulled themselves together in the second half. And actually, I mean, the one thing we haven't commented on, the result should have been, well, we talk about Burton missing an open goal, we missed an open goal too as well. So, you know, technically the result should have been at least 6-3 to Brentford, if not 6-4 to... Anyway, who cares because... It goes now goes down as one of the best comebacks that I can remember. It's been three one down to come back to five three. Thank God it did. Otherwise, I think there would have been proper fallout after that game. You know, I, I don't think we ought to dwell too much on what kind of what kind of you know what kind of week it would have been had we had lost five. It could have been five one. But I think there was interesting fallout at half time. I mean, there was a, there were a lot of very very unhappy bees fans round the back round the back at half time, and it was quite interesting just earwigging and listening to what was being said. I mean, there were there were players who we revere who were being attacked for 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 their poor performance, poor, poor performance in that first half. The, there were questions being raised about the management team. There were questions being raised about whether the players had any passion left for this season, whether they wanted to bother playing on for the next eight or nine games that we've got and it's quite interesting we, you know typical of us football fans we were all so fickle that therefore at the very end when Sergei Canos scores his goal jumps up onto the touchline and what was really brilliant uh, jumps up onto the sorry uh, perimeter boards round everybody working him and what was fantastic and full credit to those guys and those team who did it I noticed um Canos did it, I noticed Hotter did it, and there was a third, which I can't quite remember now, who threw, threw throwing their shirts into the crowd. That was what support, being a football supporter is all about. Only slight downside, it was a bit, bit sad for the, for the middle-aged man who snatched, snatched Canos's shirt off the kid who caught it. But apart from that, it was a fantastic, fantastic ah. tribute from the players. Well, ho- hopefully that'll be caught on CCTV and there'll be some sort of justice, justice. Dutch. It was reported that um, uh, Daniel Daniel Bentley kind of gave the fans a little bit of a look just before he went off at half time. When when there was a, a few few songs like you know Daniel sort them out or Bentley Bentley sort them out or whatever. Do you do you think that he kind of was able to kind of tell the tell the kind of the, the players what it meant to the fans and how, how much they were being let down? Yeah, maybe I didn't see that. I mean, that's, that's the first I've heard that particular story. I mean, I don't think... You know, we, we've got to understand, I think we've all just touched on it in separate ways. You know, people have got the right to be angry after a fairly dreadful first-half performance, but I think all we're trying to say is a difference between being angry at a poor performance and, you know, the world's going to end, we're going to get relegated. I mean, I think... Yeah, I don't think they were booed off. I can't quite no, remember, but I don't, I don't, don't think they were booed off. Um, you know, yes, there was a few kind of, particularly after the, the third goal went in, there was a few kind of dissenting noises about the, the free kick. So, yeah, maybe the players um, did say it, but they, they seem to be able to motivate themselves. You know, we're an up-and-down team, and clearly that's why we're mid-table, and as we keep saying, and not top six, and it's it's the people you add to that team. And people see funny things of the game, don't they? I mean, people on the podcast after the game were saying that McDonald changed the game. McDonald McCormack changed the game when he came on. 
And you know, it was 3-3 when he came on, but you ask people in retrospect, he, he came round, we turned it round from 3-1 down, and it was 3-3 when he came on. You know, people kind of see what they want to see to some degree, and I think those players are more than capable of motivating themselves, and if they use the fans' uh, opinions to, to help drive themselves on, that's great. You know, we all know that we're going to be here a lot longer than the players, um, but as long as we've got that mutual aim of moving up the table and being successful, then that, that works for me. I think what is important is that there wasn't any booing at half-time. Um, you know, had that been the result, been the half-time result of Griffin Park, you would have heard boos. And the difference between the home and away support, if away supporters will follow their team through thick and thin, and they realise that sometimes they've got to get behind them. And I think, you know, if there's one lesson to be learned, it's that if at another point in the season we go 3-1 down at Griffin Park, when they come off at half-time... Give them a cheer. Tell them that you know. Get get them to pull their fingers out, but don't boo the players because actually the players responded to the positivity that was coming away from the away fans. As you say, Dave, there were the chance of Bentley. Bentley sought them out, and that's what was happening. You know, they came up, they went into the dressing room, they said, "Right, we're going to do this for the 1,100 fans that were there," and they demonstrated what they can do in the second half. It will be remembered as one of the, the, the great Brentford comebacks. Um, there's something we got we put out on social media today, so on on Besotted um, Twitter and on our Facebook page. Um, I put a little post, a little question. You know, ignoring Burton on Saturday, what what other Brentford matches really stand out as, as comebacks? And I, I mean, I, over the years, there's been you know, there's obviously been numerous you know instances that are too numerous to, to you know to, to relive. You know, with coming back from two goals down isn't isn't sort of like beyond the realms of possibility. But in in sort of recent memory, um, I'll just read out a few that have come in. Um, so Tom Deakin via Twitter, MK Dons three 0 down, um, come back to three three with Leon Leg scoring in the last minute. A game that I think Dutchman was going to talk about in a minute or or Lib, um, Toby. Um, Peterborough away, um, 1-0 and then 2-1 down. And we came back to win 4-2. That's the game where Tony Folan scored that absolute wonder goal. Um, I, we'll, we'll try and, I've got that somewhere. I've got the goal. I'll try and put that up. That was stunning. Tony Folan, what a player that he, he, he could have been and would, should have been for us. Um, uh, Paul, Paul Moyes. 1982, Doncaster away. We drew 4-4 after being 4-1 down. Mahoney, McNichol, Roberts and Bobby Booker scored the goals that day. Um, I think we had a player sent off as well. So I wasn't there. I wasn't there at Bellevue. I was there a couple of years later for a 2-2 yeah, draw. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to go to away games. I was too young, believe it or not. Um, Ian Westbrook has come back with um, Blackburn Rovers at home in the League Cup in, I think it was 1989. I think we were 1-0 down from the, from, from, um, the game at Ewood Park. And then we were 3-1 down in the tie, and we came back on the night to win 4-3. Um, it was an amazing game, and we played some amazing football. Um, and then we went out on aggregate, but it was a, a proper, proper cracker. Um, and then um, Portsmouth, back in April 2013, more recently, losing 2-1 with five minutes to go. Bradley Wright-Phillips um, equalised, and then Clayton Donaldson scored a, scored the winner and the scenes we caught on video on the beside video that day were absolutely incredible we combined that with um the bees player commentary um, um and then i think the combination of those two it was absolutely stunning and we're, again we'll 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 post the link to that 
Um, there are other instances, and I'll, let's just go around the table very, very briefly, just to you know call out any other instances that aren't listed or any of the favourites are on, on on the ones I've just called out. Mark. Well, as you said, Portsmouth um, being two one up. Um, Bradley Wright Phillips equalising, and then Donaldson. I think was that a last minute winner, or very very late in the game. It was it was amazing. I mean, I think we were really pushing. I think that took us to third in League One, and I think then we we realised this could be it. And I don't think I've experienced such euphoric scenes at Griffin Park. I mean, as a game, it wasn't you know make or break, but it was just that comeback kind of attitude that they had, and uh, it was dramatic. Yeah, so I I loved that game. Yeah, I remember it for a long time. The, the the roof did come off Ealing Road that, that afternoon. Dutch, any of those or you got your a personal fave? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a typical Brentford one, actually. I'm, the one I'm going to go for is Bristol Rovers at home in around 94 when we were 3-0 down and Sir Denny Mundy came, I think he came on a sub, or he's moved up front or he came on a sub with about half an hour to go and scored the legendary hat-trick to bring it back to 3-3. Um, I remember being on the left side of the Ealing Road, uh, of the New Road, watching that one, and you know, everyone celebrated like mad. And of course, we then did the traditional Brentford thing, and we let Bristol Rovers get the fourth goal, and we lost four three. But for those twenty minutes when it was on, it was the best comeback that I can remember. Again, yeah, Den- you know, for for younger younger listeners, um, Denny Mundy was um, he was a kind of a he was a pretty average player, and he, he was a, he was a midfielder. And for 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 reasons that are, again typically Brentford, we didn't have any strikers, so we we played him out of position, and he was a, an absolute revelation. And he he had one trick. He was called the the Denny Mundy Twiddle, and he he was he was a bit of a step over, bit of an Elvis Presley kind of fake wobbly knee thing, and. Um, we used to shout out Twiddle, didn't we? And he used to get the ball, and, and he, you've got, you've got us idiots in the in the stands just shouting Twiddle, and he, he, he more often than not did it, and they, they, people just fell for it. During that, he got about thirteen goals that season, I think. I think he ended up our second or third top scorer from a makeshift end of the season centre forward, and he was a great entertainer. He was a, he was a top bloke as well, actually. I seem to recall when we met him, he was a very decent guy and great company. Yeah, we went and we've been down to Bournemouth a couple of times and met him. We did. We interviewed him for the fanzine, and then um, uh, more recently, we met him on the pier and we had a couple of beers with him on, on Bournemouth. Was it Bournemouth Pier or was it Boscombe Pier? We, one of the piers we met him, and you know, he had a, had a couple of drinks with us. So yeah, he, he's, he's another one that was at Brentford for a very short time, really. But he, he left with uh, the fans behind him, and he's got great memories. The Lib. Yeah, I mean, I do remember the MK game to. Uh, New Year's Eve 2011, um, we went 3-0 down. Gary Alexander scored a two for us. I mean, Gary Alexander, I think he was probably... Yeah, exactly. I mean, Gary, a two, for, two for Gary Alexander. I mean, quite, quite amazing. Charlie McDonald, who actually used to be one of my favourite Bees players, scored for MK Don, so my heart was a bit broken on that stage. And then we had that last-minute winner by Leon Legg. Oh, sorry, last-minute equaliser by Leon Legg to go 3 all. That was a... That was a sort of one of the high points of the Rosler era for me. It was, was that, one of the things was that, that was that the um, infamous um, glass that was wasn't thrown at um, Robinson, at Smugginson, or was that was that the next year when we came back to draw with them again? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. I can't, was that, can't was remember. that when Deli Ali made his debut or um, an early debut for, for MK Dons? Was it Deli Ali? 
Never heard of him. No, no I, I just <laughs> I read about him the other day. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Another one of those. Like, yeah. No, Deddy Mundy, Deli Alley, they kind of yeah. follow the same kind of trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. You know, this this has been a few. I'm sure you've got your own. If you if you if you've got any more that's kind of it's uh, they've kind of escaped us, um, then then please please. Um, Add them to the to the links on uh, the Poseidon website and or Twitter and Facebook. Um, the other thing we want to talk about is you know again the scenes back at back at the Burton train station where you've got a player, Sergi Canos, is kind of catching a train, um, <laughs> catching a train. You know, it's disgraceful. It is, it is yeah. in this day and age when they yeah to Manchester, blowing out. Maybe it was his own Louis Vuitton train that was that was going to come. We didn't actually see. Did anyone see him go off? No, no, no. no, no, we, no. We, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, might, he we might. Left him standing on the pla- we left him standing on the platform. Well, he, he, he still might be there for what we know. If he's if he's a bloke speaking Spanish in the waiting room at Burton Station, <laughs> tell tell him how good he is and start singing a song to him. But if you well I'll start on this one seeing players catch the train back I, I, I was I, we was I think you were there Dutchman I know you said you can't remember but I was on the train back from Reading back to Twickenham or Teddington or wherever it was I was living at the time and Jean-Paul Javere who, who had just played and scored for Brentford got on the train and it was there, it wasn't we were quite late so there wasn't many bees on there as well and he sat with us and he chatted for most of the way back until I think he got bored and moved to a different <laughs> carriage but, um, but yeah Jean-Paul Javre he, um, again one, one that you may not remember have you seen a player on on any public transport or opening it up a player that you just saw where you really didn't expect them Dutchman I remember when we played Dagenham and Redbridge away in 2009, and I did Google that just to check the date. I'm not as um, anoraki as you think. Actually, probably no one thinks that, because <laughs> my knowledge isn't good enough to be called an anorak. Anyway, in 2009, and there was a game where um, it was postponed because of a, uh, a power failure, and we all yeah. stood in the forecourt for about an hour waiting for the game to go on and laughing on, and joking because it was on TV, and they were meant to do it, and then it didn't happen. I remember we all decided about must be about half past eight, nine o'clock that we had to go home. And Glenn Paul was just standing there in his club tracksuit, not knowing how to get home. And we told him that he could come back on the tube with us and we were going for a curry uh, in, I think, the Strand somewhere. He declined, but we directed him to the, to the tube station anyway. And it always makes me laugh, a bit like Sergi, that these players, they're, they're always in their club gear. You know, Sergi's there. I mean, Burton's not the most scary place in the world, I'll give it that, but he's still there on his own, or, you know, wearing his Brentford stuff in the middle of nowhere, and it's, it's quite funny that they all got the, the, the key and the badge, but yeah, Glenn Paul, I, I don't even think he was pleased to see us, to be honest. Actually, I, you asked me earlier, and I said I couldn't, I, I couldn't recall if I'd met a player, I think it was about a year ago, I was in a, uh, the service, the new service is on the M25, the southern stretch, um, Nathaniel Chabola, I'm not very good at pronouncing the names, was, uh, was in the queue in front of me, and you mentioned how, how often it is that you see players in their kits. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's very often because I've only ever seen a player um, outside a game once and he was in his kit. And um, I've never seen someone with a stack full of um, um, or so many um, sweets, basically. He had all the spearmints and all the mints and all the things that you find in small little rotund containers that somehow make your breath amazing and are going to attract all the beautiful So He must have really bad halitosis. Yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't have the courage to tell him that, but I think he'd just been playing for... Um, at Brighton for Reading, uh, I don't know if they. I think it was an FA Cup replay. So anyway, yeah. So Reading players, they stink. <laughs> there you go. Lib. 
well, apart from as several listeners to this podcast would have also we've we've all shared trains back from far flung outposts up north uh, uh trip from uh carlisle rings a bell but some of the manchester trips as well when we arrive at euston you know normally there it's quite late as well particularly the long distance trips and there is the coach waiting for them at euston i've a couple of times I've tried to beg a lift back to West London but never never been successful at that but my most unusual sighting of a player is not a Brentford player actually it's the uh, I once sat next to Stephen Gerrard on a plane to Brussels um, you know you might not say well, I had no idea why he was going to Brussels there was no there wasn't any Liverpool game there wasn't any Liverpool connection so no idea why he was going there but what really intrigued me and this is this will sound bit naughty but he was reading the Daily Telegraph and he wasn't just reading the sports section of the Daily Telegraph he was reading in some depth the editorials and the opinion pages of the Daily Telegraph and ever since then uh, my impression of Stephen Gerrard has changed I'm not gonna even try and get to the grips with what you're are you saying he sh- you thought he was stupid no, I thought that he was more of a left winger coming from Liverpool, so I couldn't understand why he was reading the Telegraph. It's probably because it was free and it was handed out on the on the on the plane. But yeah, yeah, but so was the Daily Mail. I was reading the Mail because that was free. I've just remembered another one. Sorry to do two. I was driving over Kew Bridge, and I it goes two lanes into one, all the usual traffic works, and I, I cut in front of this car, and it was my fault completely. And he kind of car pulled up behind me, and we stopped, and he got out to have a go at me. And it was Gus Hurdle. <laughs> and Gus said to me, in a very calm voice, he said, you are a rubbish driver. And to my credit, I said, you are a rubbish left back. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing for the rest of the day. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you reduce him to tears? Um, not as much as others did on a Saturday at Griffin Park, no. But um, we, did have, we did have a laugh about it after. He was a nice guy. <laughs> we love Gus Hurdle. We love Gus Hurdle. I, there's... That's Gus Hurdle. If you if you are listening to this, you're you're welcome to any social, any time. And if Dutchman will give you a lift there <laughs> and a lift back and prove to you he is not a rubbish driver. Okay, Tuesday night just gone. Um, besotted, were invited along to Sky. Um, along with uh, Bias and the GPG. Well, Banana. Um, to uh, it was an EFL fans forum. That's what it, that's that's what it was pitched as an EFL fans forum, um, and it was it was probably about forty, maybe fifty fans of of, of other clubs there. Mostly, mostly, obviously from the southeast. Um, there's a, a few that have made it down from the Midlands and what have you. Um, and we we went along. Um, not quite sure of what we were going to be treated to, asked about. So we, 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 we sort of prepped ourselves. We thought about, you know, because it was a sky, what, what problems, you know, especially the, the Newcastle rearranged game, um, what, what problems that opposed to us as, as, as home fans and in, you know, predominantly to, to Newcastle, our Newcastle chums. Um, you know, obviously, as, as fellow football fans, you're kind of aware that it was hastily rearranged. The game had already been moved once, and they had to kind of get down here um, at great expense for a, for, a, for, a, for a game that Sky had put on at the last knocking. So, you know, there's there a, a few other instances, you know, and a few other questions that we were talking about 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 the game in general, um, about 
the state of state of the game and and, and safe standing and um, and how fans are kind of portrayed or seen or treated. Um, so we, we did we, we so we turned up with an open mind as we always do, and um, the, the signs were there. Let's let's put it this way: the signs were there. There was. Uh, not, not, I'm not a parody. I'm not a stereotype, but there was no beer, no, no, no beer at all. That's, you know, you, you have a fans forum. You expect a pint of beer. I'm not saying you know you turn up to get lashed, but a pint of beer. Instead of beer, there was um, elderflower, um, lemonade, and raspberry cordial. Um, obviously, you know the choice of choice of tea or coffee. Um, or hot chocolate, I think. Um, and then there was another cordial that I, I didn't go back for. Mini burgers, nice, nice, nice grub, nice grub. Um, and we were we were sort of ushered in uh, 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 into the Sky Cinema, which is a lo- lovely cinema. Um, and there was um, it was a can of water and some popcorn um, on on our seats, like it was a cinema, like there was going to be some entertainment. And it was a, a very confusing can of water. It was a resealable can. Um, which I think no one could open. So it was it was like watching chimpanzees trying to trying to open an orange. Um, it, you know, it was it was really entertaining, um, and that was where the entertainment kind of ended. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to be I don't want to be too critical, but a fans forum by the very nature of that suggests that you, we're going to be asked questions, ask our opinions, and then is an opportunity for the people that make decisions, the people that. Um, uh, put on the competition, which is the uh, the football league and the championship, and then the, the main broadcaster in the game, which is obviously Sky, um, to, to to pose some questions. But we were told in, in no uncertain terms that the only questions that will be taken will be taken right at the end. Um, and then what what happened? What happened then afterwards was there was a, a, a presentation um, by Mark Rowan, who was head of communications at the EFL. Um, and they were, you know, it, it was, it basically was making apologies really for, for Sky from really on. We was, we were, our eyebrows were raised pretty, pretty straight away where he was saying that it was unfair to blame Sky when, when fixtures were rearranged and fans didn't quite understand the complications of it all. And we were like, actually, like we're being preached to here, um, you know, we're, before we've had an opportunity to ask a question, he was they were like they were like they were getting their digs back at us, and I, I was like, actually, you know, um, hold on a minute, we haven't, you know, again, we haven't asked a question. Um, so the, the tone was set, and, I, and Billy and I were looking at each other, going, what's going on here? Anyway, so next up with was Chris Foy, um, the head of um, community and public engagement for PGMO. PGMO is um, pre- professional games management something or other um, it's, it's the referees basically it's, um, you know um, Chris, I don't know if anyone's had the pleasure of, of speaking or meeting Chris Foy um, uh, an ex-referee very very nice bloke um, he, he he talks us through some some rule changes and uh, it was it was pretty entertaining a lot of people had seen that before already but um, he, he, he you know to, to his credit you know it was a it was a kind of an engaging 20 minute prayers but again no questions you know so it's this, this forum what's happening with this the old forum um scott minto um who obviously you probably remember playing for chelsea um charlton um and someone else um he he, he came on and talked about um you know his experiences with ref referees and um 
you know, again, yeah, you know, again, nice, nice, but you know, when you know, forum, it's a forum, it's a forum, and so we kind of like Billy and I looked at each other again, and we just decided like we'd just knock it on the head, so we buggered off, um, and then I'm so glad we did because like, from what I hear, what what I hear, what happened afterwards, it just got worse. Um, Gary Hughes, who was head of football at Sky Sports. Um, gave a very corporate slideshow on, on uh, why Sky love football. Went on about how the audience love Ian Holloway, um, and then you know he talks about renewing talent, and you know they're frequently looking at retired players and managers, you know, because that's what fans want. Um, and we like we don't want we don't want Ian Holloway, you know, he's you know he's an, he's annoying, you know, um, you know, and then. Um, you know, he talks about innovative ways and, you know, want to bring fans closer to the game, striving to innovate our coverage. And basically, it was marketing speak. Um, and he, he talks about how, the, how Sky w- were looking at ways of getting closer to the dressing room, basically. So, you know, they were looking at ways of um, getting cameras and microphones into half-time and pre-match team talks because fans want that and then you know, a couple of people asked there was a show of hands you know, who wanted that and no one pretty much put their hands up you know, no one really wanted it it's interesting maybe for one or two games but every game you know, the half times where you go and have a, you know, get another beer or go and put the kettle on you, know, you, don't, you don't want to listen to you know, players and managers you know, it'll be recorded it'll be, it'll be dull so they, so this is the push. I think the push from from Sky is that you know that's the way football is going to go. This is the way their coverage is going to go. Um, you know, in the MLS, that, that they've got access to all areas, and you know, we that's, that's I think that's what we should be expecting. Anyway, so we're thinking forum. This is this is a forum. You're, you're still telling us, and you're asking you're asking what people think about this, and then we give you an opinion that doesn't back you up, and they say kind of like, oh, we're going to do it anyway. Um, you know our 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 marketing and our you know our samples and our kind of our our pressure groups tell us this is what fans want. Like you ask the fans what they want, and they go not really interested. That's kind of oh well, you know you're not real fans anyway. So um, so, so there was questions at the end apparently because I was at home by that stage enjoying enjoying myself. Um, and they were, we were, they were told who the, the fans that were left were told um, that they had to stick to only the topics that had been discussed. So you could only talk about referees. You could probably only talk about um, rearranging games, and you could only talk about um, access and um, Sky's coverage. No, no real burning issues there. Um, so it was, it was a really, really damp squib of an evening where, you know, you've got, as I said, you've got the, the competition organisers, you've got the broadcasters, and you've got fan reps from, from a lot of clubs there. Um, and it, it, nothing, nothing, nothing was really, it was just a, it was a present, it was almost like a tour of Sky, you know, aren't we great, isn't this lovely? Um, Nick... You know, I know you you weren't there, and I you know I, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it too much. I, I think it's good that we report it, but you know, there's so many burning issues in this game that I've, is it is it am I am I right to feel disappointed that I feel like I'm being treated as a, a stereotype or kind of I'm being treated as someone to talk down to rather than really engage with? No, uh, although I was glad to hear that you went home to enjoy yourself rather than pleasure yourself um, when, when, when you return home. But I'm going to go off on a rant here. This is you, you're, Sorry, you're painting pictures with words now. 
I'm going to go off on a rant. This is typical of the way that the football authorities treat football supporters. Because actually, what Sky and the EFL could have addressed last night is why on earth were Newcastle fans asked to travel all the way down to London to watch us on a Monday night. You know, they could have addressed why on earth it is that never mind miking up, you know, managers and and players in dressing room at half time, why isn't it that referees are not allowed or told that they should come out after a game and explain why they made some of the decisions that they did? It is typical of the footballing authorities, whether it be the Premier League, whether it be the FA, whether it be the EFL, that they treat us fans like SHIT. You know, they're not concerned with the people who go to the games. I mean, I actually, I, I have Sky... I have to say, I don't really watch the championship coverage because I'm not really interested in what the other teams are doing in the championship. I'm only interested in Brentford. And the coverage that Brentford get from the footballing authorities, unless it's the live games, you know, on Channel 5, where normally, you know, the the last section of the highlights and what have you. But it is typical that people treat football fans as though we're idiots, as though we have no interest in the game, as though we should be kept in the dark and treated like mushrooms. Until that changes, until the football and uh, football authorities and Sky understand that we are passionate football fans with something to say, what they could do, what they could do is listen to podcasts like this and they'll realise, because we're not unique in doing this podcast, I'm pretty certain that if you went to every championship club, I'm looking around the room and people are nodding. If we went to every championship club, there is at least a podcast or, or at least a website containing views as passionate as ours. Why doesn't Sky do a programme focusing on those? Why don't the EFL promote the fan culture that way, rather than telling us what we should believe? The EFL has stopped to start treating us as customers and as people who are interested in what football is and the way it's going to develop rather than just telling us what they're going to do uh, you know by I, I will bring the other two in but you know from from personal from personal experience on on Tuesday night and you know I, again forgive me if I've got this very wrong but you know it there was there was kind of um, middle-aged executives in very nice positions reading out their job descriptions pretty much saying this is who I am this is what I do this is our focus and they're going to they're going to manage or mismanage whatever way it will be um, another five years of malaise where nothing actually changes it, it, it's, it's no, nothing nothing ever really changes for the better you know they they make they, they make noises and 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 they, they say we're going to engage with fans and you know it, it, this is an opportunity no 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 one person that went to that thing on tuesday night will will waste their time it was four hours right no one will waste their an evening to be kind of presented to they could have sent that through as a as a, a youtube and I would have turned it off after five seconds. And you know, I don't, I don't want to listen to you know. A, a, I mean, it's not his age, and it's not. A, I don't want to listen to these executives justifying their salaries. And and it's, it's almost like they they they're not actually interested in what we say. Dutch, Dave, Dave, Dave sorry, can, can I just before you go to Dutch, can I just jump in there? I mean, you know, not to embarrass you and Billy, um, um, because there are other examples around in championship clubs as well, but why aren't Sky and the EFL going out to people like you and saying, produce us a promotional video, tell us what it's like to be a supporter of, the, of a football club, tell us why 
you want people to come well, along and stand on the terraces or sit in the seats and go along to going along to the clubs. To... Because the good thing for Sky, you look at you look at the championship games. A few championship games I do watch on Sky. There are vast sways of seats that are yeah, empty seat, seats there. What what the EFL you, should be what no what the EFL should be doing is encouraging people to attend live games, not just sitting at home on their asses watching the, it on Sky. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my truthful answer to that, and it may not make any friends but um, they don't ask not just me and Bill so it, it's, there are you know they don't ask fans like us and it's, it's not just we haven't got the monopoly on experience so like fans like most of you listening to this that have done your time they don't ask fans like us because they are scared of asking real fans because they in most cases have bullshitted their way into these positions and they feel threatened by it um, and it's the same it's, a, it's an old boys network and it's an ex-players network by and large where they sort themselves out and they divvy it all up and they, they, they carry on earning amazing money and nothing ever changes because they don't really engage with fans that know what they're talking about FSF is making huge strides into that environment but still there's an us and them there's a, there's a real north-south divide in terms of people decision making and fans who they, they make decisions on behalf of fans and they don't actually know what the fans want and this is one of the areas and we'll get onto this in the new stadium it's, it's the thing that scares me the most about, um, about moving, moving ground whether it's our ground or anyone else's people make decisions because they think it's in the best interest of fans and they're not actually aware of what real fans we want Dutch going back to the Going back to forums and fans' forums and opportunities, you again, you weren't there, um, and that's not because for any other reason. But you weren't there. But what what would you expect from a, 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 an opportunity like that? Beer. Yeah, no, a beer. Okay. Um, well, maybe two, but uh, I, I was just thinking, listening to that. I mean, it's two things really. One, you, you're miking up players and miking up rest. How about miking up fans? That would make a more interesting TV show, wouldn't it? Just like miking up fans of games. Heavily edited. Um, well, potentially, although there's, beep, been some, there's been some players beefing their way along. But I think, I think seriously, part of their problem is that there's so many different types of football fans that, you know, are we as people who go home and away the people that they're really interested in in terms of what Sky presents? You know, because most of us here around the table say we don't really watch that much on Sky I've got it same as, as, as the Liberal has but yeah, my, my football love is for going to the games and the, the friendships and the fun and the laughs that we've had you know, Burton being the, the obvious example as we talked about earlier but yeah, that, that's typical of what we like to do and I think talking about what I want from TV to me is just irrelevant and I think they're just mixing their audiences up so much that we as kind of loyal regular football fans who see ourselves as being the lifeblood of the game want one thing and actually what Sky want and probably the guys you're talking about in the, the executive boxes want is probably something different now and it's almost two different markets I think, I think we're sometimes we're guilty as well of um, portraying ourselves badly I think uh, you know we say miking up the fans and we all kind of go oh no you, you don't want to do that but you know I think over the last five five seasons that we've been doing our post-match videos 
you know, Burton away is probably the only time there's been like, it's been it's been language. I think I think I think people I think manners. I, manner, yeah, manners. I think I, I think I think most of the fans when you when you you know we don't vet people. We don't look at we don't only go to people we know. Most most of the stuff that we record and, and video is pretty random. And I think people know how to behave when, once they're asked an opinion. And I don't think there's a there's a problem with that. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what you were suggesting, but um, I I I think that. They don't actually want fan content, you know. And again, it's been a big thing this week. I don't know if you've been aware about it, but it's um, Norwich, um, Aston Villa, and I think Birmingham City have had massive pull downs on on their fan experience content. Um, it's something Billy and I had dealings with at Brentford um, two or three years ago, where our videos started to be pulled down. Um, and there was meetings we got caught, we got hauled in front of the football league to explain what what was going on. We 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 found a a very very good middle ground now, and uh, whether that's going to change, I I, I I very much hope not. But there's a there's a there's a definite clash between real fans and the authorities, and it seems to be getting worse through social media. And rather rather than better, I, I, th- I think. Fans, fans are seen as a, you know, Mark. I'll bring you in here. Do, do you think the authorities see fans as a real fans as a threat, or or or, or are they just customers, or what? You know, what? Well, I think they certainly see them as customers, I and mean, I think probably Sky just. I, I don't have a huge deal to contribute on this subject, but I imagine Sky are very much aiming their audience towards the armchair supporter who don't or can't get to games. Um, and that's understandable. And incidentally, I would say I think their coverage of Brentford has been really very good. I couldn't make the Villa game. I was I was poorly, so I watched it at home, and I thought it was an excellent coverage. It really did get to some extent under the skin of you know being at the ground. Um, so you know I'm not going to lambast their coverage of, of of the games I've seen Brentford and other Championship clubs. But yeah, I, I think they do. You know, they're numbers people. They want the profit. The bottom line is everything, and so customers rather than fans is the pejorative for them uh, I think they could be so much more engaging so it's quite disheartening to hear that they haven't really been engaging in this supposedly engaged fans forum that they've, they've held so. I think also you know, at Brentford we're still in that middle ground aren't we most of us here have all supported well all of us here have supported us for a long long time we've come from the lower leagues Division 4 Division 3 in, in old money um, we're still just in, we're a little bit in limbo now we've just hit the big time for us and we still think of ourselves as being that kind of user friendly um, independent based club and you can just see where it goes you know hence you know, around this table there's more than one of us here saying we're not sure we ever want to go up because you know this is where we're at and we're kind of slightly outside of that sky bit you know I'm not if Brentford are playing and I can't make it it's great to watch it on TV but I don't really care about what goes on around it I just want to see the game in the same way as we listen to Bees player or whatever means that, that we listen to it and I think and I think we're just, just in that limbo really because were we to go up that, that all changes yeah. Yeah. and um, we've, we've probably got our, our foot in, in two camps. If we have any misgivings about Sky's coverage or TV coverage in general, it will only be uh, augmented if we if we make the Premier League. I mean, we have to accept that. That is part and parcel of just going up. We have less control. It is about the money, and you have to be grateful for, for what you get back in return. Yeah, but I go back to the basic point, is that without fans, football yeah, is nothing. Agree. And if, if, if Sky, if the EFL, if the Premier League continue to do as they are doing, they will find that the only people that will be watching their product will be those in China. But is that a problem for them, if it becomes a TV yeah. audience? It's a problem for us as football yeah. fans, but yeah, you have to ask them, is that a problem for Sky if 
all the games. No, well, no, 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 it, it is, it is, so we, we have to remember how the bottom line is, for, for Sky, it's, it's about subscriptions. So they, they, the only thing they want from fans is atmosphere. They want us to frame their games. They want us singing. They want us to make those games look like they're import, as, as important as the hype that's gone into the game, into the build-up to it. That's all Sky ultimately want, is, is us to be singing. Um, you know, it's EFL's job to make the clubs successful and to sell tickets. It's, it's, it's their, it's, that's their ball, is to make sure there's enough, enough of those noisy fans coming into the game to, to make the, the attendance figures and the, the revenue generated by that. But it's actually becoming less about the revenue generated by fans and more about the revenue that's been paid by the broadcasters. Well, I mean, I, th- there's a simple solution to that. Every game that Sky televise, there should be free admission to the fan, to, for, for fans, and that the, the loss of income to the club should be made up by what Sky. Because actually, by that way, you could get a full, a full-ish stadium. It won't be completely full, um, and Sky, Sky would get the atmosphere they deserve. Deserve, but. You weren't able to make that suggestion, Scar, last night, by the sounds of it. If you can make that liberal policy, you might get another MP next election. I would also suggest that to make uh, fan in- fan engagement even you know even greater, just to definitely sponsor a player to stand at the local station platform at the end of the game and be interviewed and mixed with the fans. That would help, <laughs> and to dispense more free elderberry, elderberry, elderflower, well, elderflower. I have to say, to, to their credit. There were real raspberries in the bottom of the glass at the end, and once, you, if you could, if you could try and tip it far enough back without taking the layer of skin off your nose with the glass, the raspberries were quite delicious. Well, that, but that's typical Sky. Raspberries aren't in season, isn't it? So well, they were imported raspberries. I'm glad, I'm glad they weren't prawns at the bottom of the glass. That would have been quite disgusting. But this, we're going to go to a, a quick twang but after the twang i think this leads us into a really good article that um appeared this week um, on a on a on a on a blog site called in bed with maradona um and, a, and an article was written by tom reed so after this we'll be back to talk about that article Preaching to the converted on, on the old Brentford front because we know what makes Brentford special. That's why we're special. That's why we go every week. Um, this is why we're kind of nervously um, anticipating the move to the next stadium. While we're kind of really cautious about getting too um, too overexcited about having a, a new stadium until we know exactly what that new stadium is going to be like. Um, why we're really into celebrating every second of. Of, of, of every moment of every match that we've got left you know it, it's possibly possibly less than 100 games to go it's possibly less than 75 games to go now you know you know you and I know and all you listening now know how quickly these games come and come and go like you seem you know life, life, life seems to whiz past and you always seem to be at Griffin Park you think oh blimey this is really good how many times have I been here and we had that conversation a few weeks ago of how many games we thought we'd all been to Griffin Park is a unique place um, I go further than that and say the fans that fill Griffin Park are as unique as the place itself it's whether we can whether we can encapsulate that and move it two miles up the road um, Reading, reading this article, um, Nick. Um, what a, what did it make you feel? B, what did it, what did it leave you thinking? And and was it, was it, was it pleasure or was it worry? 
it made me it made me feel less because it was in bed with Maradona rather than in bed with Madonna. Um, it was romanticised because actually, but that's you know every every journal romanticises about Brentford. That romanticises about the terracing. It romanticises the fact that we got four pubs on the corner, despite the fact that one is now closed as well. Um, but I thought it was a a good representation of what it is to be a football fan. I mean, I was surprised by some of the observations. The guy talked to to some of the. Um, people in and around the stadium and there were a couple or there was one person who said that they wouldn't be going to uh, Larnell Road when it was built the new ground what it showed is that it's fans that make football and um, as I've said before on this podcast I mean the important thing is that the Brentford team building Larnell Road and uh, involves all the fans and so far to their credit they seem to be doing so in making sure that Larnell Road is a stadium that fans want to go to um, and where we can sit, we can stand, we can mingle with our friends, we don't need to worry the fact that we'll be sitting next to some bore or standing next to some person that we don't want to be seen with. I do that every week. <laughs> well, that's that. You know that that that's the close proximity that you and I have, and you know that's what makes that's that's what drags me the hundred and fifty seventy miles that I have to go. The, the, the culture of bullying that exists on this podcast. Exactly. 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 Dutch. You've you, you know you've been to more games at Griffin Park than me because you're older than me. Um, no, that's just a fact. I wasn't having a bitchy swipe at you. I'll do that later on, mate. We'll have a cat fight out in the car park. You and me, Dutch. We're gonna we got Queensbury rules and all that. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, meow you out, mate. Uh, meow meow. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bitch. We're gonna have a slap bitchy fight later. Um, no, you know, getting back to a serious point. Um, we know what makes Griffin Park special we've moved around from terrace to terrace so you know we've both stood on the Royal Oak we've both stood at both ends in Hate Corner and we've sat in Hate Corner and we've stood at the Eating Road end of the new road where it was the, when, when the cage was there and the away fans were pending next to us when that all that rubbish was going on you know we've we've terraced ourselves around we're we're, we're terrace anoraks mate um you had a, you know, you were talking about how brilliant um, Burton was because there was a terrace there. So, you know, terrace being on a terrace is part of our DNA. Of, of, what your, you know, did this article make you nostalgic or just scared? It's it's a good article. It's a great read. Um, it is it is romanticised, and I guess that's what the guy was employed to do. I mean, the terracing thing at Burton, which we talked about off off tape earlier was the whole point about you bring your friends we all bring a couple of people to Brentford twice three times a year and you can stand with them you know and I, I dread that kind of you, know, you bring your mates along you have a drink in the pub and then you send them up 17 rows up to the back and you meet them again afterwards so that, that's definitely um, part of it and it is a nostalgia and there's, there's three bits in that article that, I, that kind of really made me laugh I mean, the, you know, the end piece where it says the best ground in London and that's right you know, none of us as Brentford fans would, would ever deny that um, but the other two things that really made me smile um, one was the obvious one if I could just read that at one end a line of orange coated stewards begin their final safety sweep and they stop briefly to stare resignedly at plastic lager bottles smuggled in by the fans <laughs> that's brilliant 
I'm just saying about a year from now, be a plastic elderberry. I love that. And the other thing that really made me laugh, three words at the start of a sentence. It says, Championship Club Brentford. And I just read that, I thought, Championship Club Brentford? That's that's what we are. You know, and we, we are still hanging on to the past in a way with the ground and, you know, the terrace dispensation is great. It's another couple of years. But as, as you just said earlier, lady, I mean, that will go faster than we know it. And there's probably less games actually than you, than you calculated. And, you know, we do need to be careful what we wish for. And, you know, we all know we're going to a new ground and we just make, you know, we just have to make sure that we get a ground there that we're proud of because we are a different club and we need to make sure that our, our experience of a new ground is different and that the ground is different. Personally, that scares the Jesus out of me. I, I, I don't believe that it will be different enough. I, I, again, you know, Besotted will be at the forefront of this and we will push and push and push to make this special. Um, it's not about capacity at all. It's, it's about... It's about finish, it's about um, the atmosphere, it's about how we are catered for. Not in a, they, oh, give them a pub or give them a, give them a concrete clad bar on every corner, pretend it's like the old one, um, I'll just give them this. It's not, I don't want tokenism, I actually want them to really get what we want and to actually give us what we want. I, I, at the moment, I, I don't believe that's going to happen. You know, again, I'm not talking about capacity of stadium. I'm not talking about um, scalability and, and, and grow. You know, the, the, the whole corporate side of it, it, it doesn't impact me at all. You know, that's not, it's, it's outside my, my, my sphere of being a fan. I don't want to sit in an executive box. If you've got to do that, then obviously just get on and do that. You cater for those corporates that want that, if they actually do want that. I actually believe that, you know, I, I, I spend my Saturdays surrounded by some very, very, and this isn't a brag, this is, you know, th- th- there, are some, there, there are some CEOs and there's some, there's some executives of, of very big companies that stand with us and around us who are Brentford fans. They're not, they're not there because they are well, they're successful Brentford fans who have just happened to be successful in life, but they want they don't want they don't want, they don't want executive box they want pub and 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 normality and being able to stand and stand with us and and, and that you know i i i think there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of like presumption that goes on with what people want dutch but I, I don't think the two need to be mutually exclusive and whether they're brave enough to do it i mean there is no reason why you can't satisfy us, you know, speaking of myself, not everybody else, but you know, what, what I want from a game and all the things you've just detailed in terms of atmosphere and standing and being together. And you can also accommodate people who want the executive box bit on the side. You've got to get that balance right. I mean, they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You know, you could easily have terracing and standing at both ends and, you know, boxes on the side. And that's what most clubs do. You've got to make sure you keep that balance. And I think that's the, the challenge of fans groups, be that Bissotted or GPG or Bias or anything else, to make sure you get that balance and accommodate all people who want to support Brentford because we've got to grow to fill that ground. You know, we're not going to find 20,000 like-minded souls we want to do what we do, but let's make sure that everybody feels good. Mark, um, to you, not not last, just uh, tell me what Griffin Park means to you and also tell me what you felt while reading the article and what your hopes are for GP2. Um, Griffin Park to me um, is an intimate, entirely authentic close to the pitch 
kind of experience. It's the real thing. And I know a lot of away fans go to Griffin Park, much like some of us went to Burden, unfortunately. It wasn't myself. But, you know, for that experience, that is gradually being lost. Um, I agree with the Dutchman on your sentiments there. I think the two aren't mutually exclusive. I think I'd hope, wishful thinking here, that the powers that be will make Lionel Road a stadium that is acoustically superior, is ergonomically laid out so that it does kind of, it is more inclusive, it isn't just a concrete bar attached to every corner. I I, I hope that would be the case. I know we have to move and I think with that, you know, the attendant promise of or potential of Premier League football comes with it. Um, Reading the article, there's a saying that nostalgia is a mild form of depression. I think if we don't, if we don't pursue the, the ambitions and, and go up in, in several seasons or within several seasons and we do move to Lionel Road I think there'd be more who are you know missing Griffin Park than if we did get promoted and I would say that actually the last piece of that very well worded article then there were a few things in it which I weren't quite sure about I'm not sure the thorn in the side boys would necessarily not go to Lionel Road I find that hard to believe but um, they're very passionate supporters but reading the article I, I would say that it really made me want to be promoted with a year to go at Griffin Park you know I don't know if it would be two three seasons but if we were to be promoted in say next season for instance have one more season at Griffin Park that would be amazing and then consolidate ourselves in the Premier League that to me would be the ultimate because we would be the smallest ground or or next to Bournemouth if they're still there Um, and and I think that you know the, the line the best football ground in London you might not believe it happened but it did it would be especially poignant and emotive if we were to get promoted and have a full season at Griffin Park. Nick, there is something to be said said for actually what the club could be doing in terms of its marketing for Lionel Road is installing safe standing and then saying that this is the first ground, the first and the only ground in London where you can come and stand and watch football. And I think there'll be a lot of people who'll be attracted to that. Uh, You mentioned earlier about the fact that we stand with people who could quite happily rent an executive box, probably on their own to watch the game, but want to actually go and stand and mix with people watching football. Use that as a marketing tool, and there could be some real, real positivity about a move to London Road. I know, I know, Billy's not here tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But it's something that he and I have been jumping up and down about for four, five, six, seven years. That Brentford Football Club need to think differently. Um, we need to encapsulate what is special about us and celebrate it, not water it and dilute it down so we become the same as everyone else, but in a smaller, stranger-shaped stadium. We, we need to make sure that we, we, we remain different, be proud of being different, and, and celebrate it, and that's the way to grow. We grow because, you know, we, we just, just in, t- in, in, in the ways that, uh, you know, um, uh, you know that, that in Germany they celebrate the fans and they, and, and they, they really get, they get, the, they get it, they get what fans want. And it's not about patronising them. It's about, you know, you know, we come to football to release ourselves from a really, really hard week mostly. And to, it, it go back to why the hundreds of thousands used to turn up on during the thirties. You know, it's it's the working class game. It, it, it is it is the release of your, your the, the drudgery and the monotony of, of work. And you get out and you take your kids and you and you and you, you go with the family now. But you, you just go and enjoy your one a 
four or five hours on one of your one of your three days in the week. Get back to basics. Um, and I, I just hope that we can start to think more differently easily. Uh, you, you paint a slightly rosy picture there with you know the Hovis ad music playing in the background. Lowry. But but yeah, but I I mean, agree agree with most of you what you say, but. You know, Lionel Road, we've got to pre- present that for the 21st century. Dutch me- mentioned it, you know. I mean, there will be people who will be wanting to go along and play computer games at Lionel Road as much as there'll be the old fogies and old farts like us who want to be able to go to a pub and then stand at the ground. And the, the, it is a really difficult compromise that the team have got. But what they've got to do is make sure that it's a ground that appeals to Brentford fans. It is Brentford that are playing at Lionel Road. It's not a London team. And this is what Besotted will do. We'll, we'll, we'll take on the baton from Tom Reid. Tom Reid, well done, mate. You've done a, a really good job um, as an outsider looking in. Um, our videos and our podcasts, I think, over the last four or five years... Have, have, have kind of encapsulated the spirit of, of what you've you've kind of written about as an outsider um, but what we what we're going to do is we'll take that baton and we're going to find out what Brentford fans actually want in that new stadium um, and it will be done by putting in microphones in front of people's mouths and, 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 and videoing them because that's that's the way you gauge how um, and what people want so we're going to have another twang now and then we're going to move on because there's homebrew to talk about. I'm going to come back with a little bit of a gripe, if I'm honest with you. You, 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 you lot, you lot out there, Twitter, your podcast listeners, you've let us down. You know, we, we, last week, I, I put out a request for homebrews. People that are making homebrew beers or ales or whatever you're making at home to let us know and so we can name them, right? Scrumpy? Scrumpy included, yeah. Whatever, whatever you bumpkins want to do, your moonshine little whiskey sidelines down there. You, you, you tell us whiskey, anything, vodka, any homebrew of any description. We want to know about it, including anything growing up in your lofts. We want to know. We want to know about it, right? And we, we're gonna, we're gonna name it. Whatever you're making, as long as we've got a sample of it after a Brentford player, past or present. So, let's pretend that you haven't let us down and some five people have come forward and said, here's a beautiful bit of homebrew, name it for me. And I've gone, oh, look at that, that's a, that's a lovely bit of tipple there, Dutchman. What are you going to call this bit of tipple, the Dutchman? So what is your name for this bit of beautiful tipple? Mine are fairly serious for once for me. I mean, I, I like the idea in kind of East End of Star going to have a, a pint of Benham's, because that kind of sounds like it should be right. But I think if we're going serious, and I still think the fullest thing is somewhere to explore, a pint of GPA, a bit of Griffin Park Ale, seems to be a really logical brew that, not home brew, I think a big brewery should consider in tribute to their history and everything else. Tri- tribute is obviously another beer, but, it's not to, but going back to obviously Fuller's, they, the London Pride thing, obviously we've we've completely and utterly hijacked for the for the podcast with the you know with the t-shirts and what have you, um, and they actually produced a um, a, a brew um, for the for hundred hundred years of Green Park. So you know they've they've done their they've done their bit. Uh, maybe, maybe if we come up with a good enough idea in this in this 
section that will go on. I will be moaning at you until you actually give us some proper tipple. GPA is up there. Lib. I'm drinking quite a nice beer at the moment, but it has a slightly sour aftertaste. And therefore, I think, you know, any, any brew that I would come up with, it would be called Defensive FU. Because you're watching the, watching the game... And, you know, I, I, I can see it now. I can see myself drinking a pint of defensive FU with my favourite player, you know, emblazoned on the, on the the thing they have on the pump. You know, I can see his 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 face being on that. And it would be a defensive FU. That would be my beer. Nice. I'd, 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 I'll have a pint of that. And, um, and a chaser, probably. I'll have a, I might have a, some sort of um, smiley Sambuca with that one. Um, Mark. I think at half-time on Saturday I had Doomsday Defence lined up as my next pale ale. But um, I've got a few player-orientated uh, names. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read them off as I have them listed here. Silky Sergi Penumbrae, which um, possibly isn't going to go uh, down too well with those who don't like uh, articulated beers. Uh, Hotter's Magic Wizard Sleeve. Um, multiple Scorgasm Pale Ale, but it's a 7.5%, so unlikely. Old Lake Humper's Comeback, Doomsday Defence, as I've said, Hotter's Saucer Full of Secrets, which I quite like, and I think a good one which um, is, is perhaps not a Brentford-orientated one, but uh, one I like, and, and if you can't pronounce it, you've certainly had enough, and that is Ken Dodd's Dad's Dog is Dead, um, and then followed up by a half of Spanish Ponytail Stout. I like, I like the sound of se- se- several of those. Well, well done, mate. That's that's a that's a verita- veritable feast of ales. I forgot to add Kirschbaumer Sunday for those for those uh, summer nights in uh, in July when Kirschbaumer scored twenty goals and he's captain of Brentford. So summer loving indeed. Um, well, it does happen so fast. Word. Yeah. Well, um, um, I, I'd probably like to finish that all off with a pint of Batesy's bitter. Um, or or uh, um, or uh, or lick, lick your lust cum, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, you you can take your pick out of that lot. So uh, anyway, so stop letting us down, and, um, and 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 if 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 you're if you're tempted to go out and buy some homebrew kits, again whether it's herbal or liquid, then go and buy it, and then go and brew it. And then come down to the next, well, the pod, first podcast is probably next season, and let's get properly mashed on this. Da, and, and the Dutchman, he's got another point to make here. I just, I just want to end up on a, a point of maybe a point of Hogan's history. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we need something. It, it needs to be light for the summer yeah. because we'll need something to fill the, the the gap in the the seven weeks that we don't have any football on. So we'll be able to sample each one, and we'll give you good publicity on a special besotted podcast for your homebrew each week during the summer break and you might even be able to sell your shit through through the website something else i should mention before signing off tonight is the uh big final besotted social club event of the season um takes place on sunday the 30th of april um in hammersmith it's gonna be a secret venue as always um something that will make you go oh interesting so full details gonna be announced with the lineup next week um three players absolutely confirmed three brentford legends again different eras um really excited about all three real characters um we're gonna have some brilliant stories we've got a magician we've got a comedian 
Stadium. Uh, we've got beers coming out of our ears. Uh, it's going to be a great night. We've got uh, we've got uh, the whole venue to ourselves. Um, so 30th of April, pencil that in. Um, we're going to have a big launch of the event next next week. Uh, so um, yeah, free it up, ring around, um, see see what your mates are doing. Yeah, bank holiday weekends, the Sunday. So uh, as long as they don't move the Fulham game, we're 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 absolutely fine there. So yeah, so full details next week. Keep them peeled. So next up, briefly, I mean, let's go through this bit of an injury update situation. Uh, Alan Judge, he's back in kind of full training, but without any contact, which you understand he's had a very complicated double leg fracture. Um, He's a very expensive player. He's a very valuable player, potentially. There's rumours that he may be considering or has signed or might be about to sign another contract for Brentford. Nothing, nothing, nothing firm on that, um, but I think discussions are taking place where he could be signing for Brentford for next season. Um, I let you... Actually, let's talk about that, actually. I, I, I think before we go on to Josh McEachran, Josh McEachran is having some... Um, sounds really expensive. Some anti-gravity kind of um, magic s- s- treatment in s- outer space somewhere, and he might be going to Philadelphia to get some cheese. We like cheese on beside, um, and freedom. and uh, freedom and and um, um, McLeod, who's who's the other like the, the the third of the injured ones. Who's obviously he got injured at um, QPR in that brilliant win we had at Loftus Road before Christmas. So you know he's had his knee operated on. That's a, that's, that's kind of a a little bit of a long road back. But Alan Judge is probably the talking point out of those three. Um, the two of them are going to come back and play for Brentford again. Alan Judge, we thought we'd saw, seen the last of. Um, not in a bad, not in a negative way. You know, the Ipswich injury was over a year ago. Horrendous, very, very difficult injury to come back from. The Liberal, should he sign? Should we re-sign? I'm not sure where Alan Judge fits in anymore. I think we've replaced Alan Judge. I, I, you know... (laughs) Very loyal of him if he were wanting to re-sign a contract, um, and you know, well, perhaps well, out of, perhaps out of loyalty, we ought to, to we ought, we ought to, to 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 agree to a contract. Can, can I tell but, you? Can I just butt in very briefly? And this is not to counter your argument. And I have to say that that none of this is none of this is about knocking Alan Judge, okay? Because he what he scored the goal that sets up. He was brilliant in that first season. He was brilliant. He, he almost single-handedly dragged us through the dark point of last season until he got injured. And then we, you're right, you're 100% right, we moved on. But let's not forget, he's out of contract at the end of this season and he's out of wages at the end of the season. Football is a cruel game. And if there are lots of teams that could benefit... I We've... Been, we've seen teams in the championship this season that could benefit from Alan Judge playing for them. I'm just saying that I'm not certain where at the moment Alan Judge would fit in our team. I think we have a lot of good players coming in. We've got a lot of good players already in that role. 
where Alan Judge plays is not an area where we need somebody. We need a defensive midfielder. Alan Judge is not that player. I, I wish Judgey. Or you said all the right things. I mean, I wish Judgey really well. There will be a place for him at some team, whether it's a Brentford next season. I'm just not so certain. Yeah, I I, I agree, and, and we're going to go. You know, Dutch. It's, it's kind of slightly ironic that you know there may not be a place for someone who's as good as Alan Judge, but we're not we're not quite sure what what kind of Alan Judge we may or may not get back. So. You know, it's probably the same. It's the same argument or the same conundrum that other clubs are looking at. We, we, what are we buying? What are we re-signing? I can't believe I'm supporting a club that now is not sure whether we can get Alan Judge into our team. Geez, where have we come over the last the last few years? I mean, no, no, no. But we're, we're not saying we're not saying we can't get Alan Judge at his best back into our team, are we? I think there's, there's caveats around that, but there's caveats around Josh and Lewis and first name terms like I know them. Um, you know, McCrecken and McLeod. Are they going to come back the same players? You don't know. You know, we, we took a gamble on Rico when he came in. You know, the people are injured. And what we do know from first-hand experience is that Judge is probably the top five Brentford players we've ever had down there. And you know, I can't say whether he's going to come back the same player. And maybe that's why the teams aren't quite so keen to buy him as they were, you know, previously. But that being said, if, if a fully fit judge comes back and wants to play for Brentford, we can get him for three years. You know, for my opinion, sign the bugger up. Yeah, I agree. Mark, I agree. Yeah, with the Dutch, um, if he if he gets fully fit, which I'm sure he will, and he, he signs a two three year contract and he plays one two seasons and he helps us get promotion or you know consolidate where we're at, then brilliant. I think the only danger is you know he is such a good player, but he does take it upon himself occasionally to be that player who does everything. I think when when you know we saw last season when he doesn't when he's not there we actually did quite well instead. So uh, my my concern might be that if we had a Yotta and a Canos and a and a um, and a Judge playing on, on the same pitch, would it be too complicated? I don't know. Um, that's just conjecture. But yeah, I'd love to see him back. I I really hope he is the player that we saw and even better perhaps. But um, you know, I yeah, 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 we we all absolutely do. You know, there's not. I don't think it's one Brentford fan that you know doesn't want Alan Judge to be back as good as he was and as fit as he was. Uh, I don't, I don't doubt for one minute that it will be fit. It's just it's whether whether you know it's whether he can take the you know the the, the thrust of, of a first team you know tackle. To be honest, but, but there's no fee attached though. I mean, there's wages attached, but there's no fee to sign him. We're not having to go out and get him. Or pay money for him, you know. It seems to me a reasonably calculated gamble to pay the guy's wages and to, to get him in there. And I agree exactly with what you know what you were just saying. I mean, he was he was the main man, but I think the team's moved on a bit since then. I think he come back in that team, and it, that won't necessarily be the case. And you know, he'd have to earn his right to play in that team, and he's got some competition. But for someone who, if he were to re-sign, effectively is available on a free, whatever sign-on fee passes these days for a free. Um, and on wages that fit in with our structure, for me, it's a no-brainer. You know, it feels like I'm talking behind someone's back. To, if I'm honest with you, I don't feel comfortable talking about someone as good as Alan Judge 
like like he's a problem because it isn't a problem. He's, he's a he's an amazing amazing player and he's an amazing guy from 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 what I know. Um, and you kind of like I, you know if he's listening to this, you know I, I hope I hope he is because I, you know I, we we all want you to come back and play for us again. So you know if it's if, if there's any power in it, just just resign. But you know you, you're just kind of always slightly. In the same way as when Scott Hogan left, it was a little, not a bit of a, not, I would say relief is not the right word, but we, we were playing to the strengths of players that kind of realised that they were the best player in the team. And we actually don't, we, we, we became less of a team because of it. And I, I think now we're finding that we, you know, we, we, we share the ball around, we share possession more, and we, we, the threat comes from all areas. So, you know, going forward over the next, you know, next year and the next two years, Nick, you know, we need to be, we need to be grasping this attack-minded second half Burton performance. Um, do we? I think actually what we need to be grasping is the first half Burton performance. We need to be making sure that we are strong in defence. We need to make sure that we have a strong defensive midfielder that can stop teams passing through us. Um, We have the creative ability in our team, um, but it is the DM that we are missing, and we have got to shore that position up in the summer. I'd also add that uh, a backup goalkeeper as well. I mean, I, I do like Bentley. But I think a uh, challenge for his position would, um, would be a good idea. Um, and, yeah, as um, Liberal said, a uh, defensive midfielder. And, I hate to say this, I'm going to be unfashionable. And another option for def- uh, central defender as well, I think. I'll come back to what I said. I mean, I, I, I'm staggered if I'm supporting a team where Judge can't get a, a, you know, a place in the starting eleven. Um, do we need to strengthen? Of course we do. And we, we had this discussion on the pod a couple of weeks ago, where you know if we are going to strengthen, if we really you know, forget whether we do want to go up, but if, if the club wants to go up, we're going to have to strengthen. And there'll be some difficult decisions. And there's players there that actually we had a, you know, we could improve on, and they've done very well over the last couple of weeks. And you know we name people like Nico and V Bay, and are they good enough? And probably since we spoke about it, and I'm sure it's not connected. You know they, they've been great, and we've got some really good people. But if we want to step up, we need good people and judge before his injury was deemed to be one of the best in our division and he was being fated by the Newcastles you know the, the premiership bound championship teams and if we can get Judge on forget any other signings we get this summer if we can get Judge in on a three year contract that's happy days for me I'll wind up the last say on this I think Nick wants to say something but I'd go as far as to say as if if, if we can get the defence sorted out and we stop leaking stupid goals and you can add to that an, an offensive and attacking squad that includes Canos, Yota, Vibay, Judge, um, Joseph Zoon. Um, you've got a promotion challenging team there. You know, you, you need to perm five out of that seven, but you know, you, you're, you've got proper proper quality options there. There'll be a lot of clubs, championship clubs, that could pay a lot of money for Alan Judge. I would take the money for Alan Judge and then spend it on, as I said, a defensive midfielder, shoring up our defence. 
Well, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, and again, I don't, I don't want Alan Judge to take this the wrong way. We're not, we're not talking about him as if he's a problem because he, he, he really isn't. He's a, he's an amazing player who's played a, a central part in what's happened at our club over the last few years. Um, so, you know, let's let's hope he can get back into contact, challenging, and let's hope he can get back ready, fit, and raring to go to be part of a Brentford squad, challenging, pushing for something extra next season. Last word on this, Dutch. All I would say is, if you want to be non-contact, just be as good as Yotta, because no one can touch him. Ah, like your style, like your style. <laughs> so. That's about it, really. That's, that's about it. We can't we can't talk about a game that's happening this weekend because we haven't got one. And um, as a, if I'm being honest with you, I'm quite happy about that. Um, uh, it, it's just nice just to have a week off. We can we can regroup, go again. We got we got nine nine more fixtures. Quite an intensive program that goes on between now and the beginning of May. Um, all that's left really to say is just like well done and congratulations and. And just our best wishes go to all the Brentford players that have been called up for international duty. Um, there's obviously John Egan that's, that's going to hopefully play for Ireland on Friday night. Lassie Vibe and Bielend that are involved in the, the, the Denmark setup, and um, Brentford's B goalkeeper Ellery Balcombe, who's who's you know kept a clean sheet today against uh, against Saudi Arabia in, in England's win there, two 0 win in Saudi Arabia. I think they're playing a couple more games on that tour. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's great that not too many Brentford players at the moment are involved in uh, international duties because there's the old injury risk. The Dutchman, do you want to do you want to wrap this one up? We'll go around, we'll go around the table and wrap it up. There's no there's no predictions. England are losing one 0 at the moment against Germany. Well, I'm not asking predictions on that, but you know, what 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 you what you hoping for for this weekend? What are you going to do this weekend? I, I predict England will probably lose. Um, I, I, I'd love to see a situation where Yotta and Carlos are playing for Spain. I'd definitely enjoy that if you know they were to get to those heady heights. Um, as for this weekend, no football for me. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I don't really have any interest in any teams other than Brentford. I don't do second teams or third teams or. Got no, got no other chums in other in any other clubs. No, I don't really do that kind of stuff. Um, so this weekend will be a non-football weekend, which is great. It also coincides with my wedding anniversary, um, or as as it's called, the international break. And I shall be enjoying that and looking forward to getting back on the football tip in seven or eight days' time. Better to have an international break than a marital one, I, I, I hear. Nyah, nyah, nyah. Mark, what are you up to, mate? Um, I'm heading off to Spain on Monday, so I'm just brushing up on my Espanol. Um, my local bar where I go to in Spain in Andalusia is a Real Madrid bar, and they show all the La Liga games, so I quite enjoy watching um, Sevilla and Real Madrid and the like. Um, I'll be doing a bit of CrossFit and just really interesting bookkeeping tax returns before I go away, so that's about it. Sounds fascinating, that, especially the last bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, up for, I'm up for the visiting the bars in Spain, but the old, the old bookkeeping, go good luck with that, my friend. Lib? Uh, one player we forgot to mention in our roundup was Rico Henry, who's playing for England under-20s. I mean, there we have, there are five players connected with Brentford Football Club who are playing for their national teams. You know, who would have imagined that? five years ago you know absolutely incre- incredible stuff um, 
Uh, me, myself, well, the clock's doing get, silage. You're, you're doing the old silage. You've taken the words right out of my mouth. The clock, because the clocks go back this weekend. So you know, uh, sorry, sorry, they go forward. <laughs> hey, hey, How wake up! They spring, they spring forward. They they spring forward this weekend. They spring forward. It goes from 1952 to 1953 down where you lived. Exactly. So you know, so it'll be an hour, hour. Up an hour earlier to uh, milk the cows, to make the silage, and to bring make the, the British <laughs> and to bring the the need what's needed. Uh, it's like Camberwick Green down there, isn't it? I might be at, at Crawley for my sins on uh, on Saturday. They're playing um, Orient, but um, I'm doing a bit of um, bit of a bit of a feature for Kick It Out. Um, so, so what league that is? What division that is? Um, it's League League Seven. Um, three, two? No, it's League One. No, it's League Two. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, I know, but if I'm honest with you, um, let's let's big it up for Orient. We we given them plenty of crap over the last couple of years. Don't ever wish them to go out of the league. It lo- it looks like they're gonna. D- looks like they will go out of the league. Um, um, so you know, from someone that was going toe to toe with us for promotion into the championship, um, and you know, who will ever forget that game? Uh, you know, at Brisbane Road, where you know where um, uh, Trotter scored, and you know we were backs to the wall and we had a player sent off and you know it was it was it was a quite intense game that year and when we we packed the whole of the side of that ground out that that's going to be non-league next year so it just shows you where margins are and you know when Trotter hit the crossbar and we all thought that was the end of the world you know it's actually perspective and and Time sometimes shows you that it's the best thing that could have happened happened to us, and the worst thing that ever happened to Orient was just to lose that game at Brisbane Road. It, it was more than an FA Cup that day. It was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. So, um, so there we go. So um, England are losing one 0 in Germany. Um, in um, Brentford aren't playing this weekend, but can we have a little bit of table tapping, please? Because we're going to wrap this one up by saying, Come on, you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.